This is BioBusters, Professors Hanging Out Talking Science, episode number 34, recorded on January 21st, 2020. podcast that takes you beyond the classroom and into the trenches of science. I'm Dr. Abi Abdallah, and I'm here with Dr. Fawner and Dr. Keller on solstice, winter solstice day. Oh, it is. The shortest day. It is short. Yeah. Indeed. When does the sun go down? When is dusk? Well, when is the end of the workday? That's what I want to know. Oh, the workday is the same length. The, the, <laughs> the actual it's longer. Oh, it seems longer. When you bad. get to work and it's dark and you leave it, yeah. it's dark. That's long. Yeah. So January 21st. Uh, how how you guys doing, by January the way? January or December? December. It's still December. Oh, yeah. look, oh, look what I just did. That's okay. I, I don't wow. want our listeners to be confused. Oh, it's January already. I fell asleep through we Christmas. We are this December okay. 21st, 2020. There we go. This episode was not recorded on January 21st. I see what you recorded. did. The birthday starts, the, the next birthday is January 21st. So Yeah, yeah. I, I actually... Reading ahead. For, for some reason, I thought this was January oh, already. And ahead. I looked up a birthday for January well, 21st. Well, it would be solstice then. No. Maybe you don't want those... Uh, few days off that you're getting so too late too now to redo another birthday so we're gonna discuss a birthday for january 21st maybe in the next podcast we'll do the one for december we can switch <laughs> we around. need a we need a podcast producer to keep us in check if only we can find somebody who will work for free yeah we, we can't pay I'm just, you i'm just thinking about whose job it was for this one section it was mine it was mine. I'm owning it. That's why we need a podcast producer. Well, who needs a podcast producer? <laughs> hey, we're on the lookout for advertisers, no, producers. Both of you didn't pick pick it up, man. Well, it means we didn't read it. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. <laughs> All right. So January 21st, 1912, oh, a no. month from today, mm-hmm. Conrad, Emil, Bloch, Block. Block. I would probably Block. I thought Let's Block. Go Block. He is a German-American biochemist. Who shared the Nobel Prize in 1964 for physiology or medicine with Theodore Linen or Linen for their discoveries concerning the natural synthesis of cholesterol and of fatty acids. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Indeed. So looked at the chemical processes in which the human body transforms acetic acid into cholesterol. Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they uh, first showed that the body makes squalene from acetate or acetic acid and then converts it to cholesterol. Hmm. Uh, They also discovered a bunch of other stuff, too, that bile and uh, female sex hormones were made from cholesterol as well and then went on. Crazy. And then that work. It is a lot of work. Actually, yeah, he was very busy. We'll talk about the foundation of, like, at the very least, endocrine physiology and endocrinology. Yeah, Yeah, all of the steroid hormones being derived from cholesterol. Mm -hmm. That's very significant. Uh, he also discovered the point at which it is possible to regulate the amount of cholesterol in the body and uh, postulated about fatty deposits and uh, artery walls and cardiovascular disease. Wow. Even though he didn't necessarily publish on those. But but uh, hey, good for Conrad. Without him, might have taken longer to figure that stuff out. Indeed. 
while Conrad born a month from now in 1912. (laughs) So we thought that our last episode of the year should be a fun one. Well, they're all fun. Yes, they're all fun. We're going to end. We are sure this is December's episode. (laughs) Just want to double check before we move on. We're going to end this very tumultuous year with a fun episode. episode. I mean, let's face it, folks. This has not been fun year. No, not really. No, the word the word written here is is an adult word. (laughs) It rhymes with uh, rhymes with biddy. Kind of, yeah, exactly. It does. (laughs) Uh, Rhymes with the famous show Shit's Creek. Oh yes. Wow. See what you did there? Yeah. It's been a Schitt's Creek kind of year. <laughs> and I'm talking about the show because the show won a lot of Emmys this past year. And, did it? You know, yeah, huh? I don't know. I never got really into it. I watched a couple episodes. I can put it on in the background. I don't super pay attention. Kayla to and I tried two episodes and maybe it was late at night. We, I laughed a few times, thought a few, some of it was funny, but never had the urge to pick it back up again. The so. comedy is predictable. I don't well, like predictable uh, comedy. There's so many shows out there. There yes, are. Yes. That's it's it too. It's, it's, it's difficult. This one, this is a shout out to our former student from Teal and current PhD candidate now at CMU, uh, Kate McCormick. McCormick, uh-huh. yeah, she loves she, that show. Oh, adores she will, that show. She will fight us tooth and nail <laughs> over these comments. Maybe we'll so. get a text message. Yeah, email Anything or text for message. a new listener. There that's, you go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, speaking of listeners, smash that subscribe button. And give Please us do. give us reviews on iTunes. It moves us up on the rating, which gives us more attention, mm-hmm. which actually gets us to do more episodes because we get excited. Yeah, we like to be incentivized in that way. That's right. It's all very true. So mm. before we get to the fun part. Fun part. There's the not so fun part. Mm. Total um, cases of Corona, 77 know, million cases worldwide. I'm hoping in a couple of years when we're <laughs> looking back on these podcasts, we can do like a Look like in the past, yeah, retrospective, yeah, yeah. And like just oh, that'll be good. You know, look at look at the different facts that we had as we went through. Yeah. So my guess, though, and and tell me tell me what you think, Keller. I'm thinking it's at least multiplied by ten. I'm thinking there's at least a billion cases worldwide. Oh yeah. Well, again, we're talking about asymptomatic mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Seventy-seven million tested cases. My guess is there's close to 800, 900 million cases out there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Deaths uh, worldwide, 1.7 million. Uh, the U.S. Uh, shares around 325,000 of those deaths with 18.2 million cases. European total cases are a bit uh, few more than ours, 21 million total cases with roughly 500,000 deaths. In the great state of Pennsylvania, actually we're not a state, we're a commonwealth. In the great commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, we have 560 thousand cases with 14,000 deaths in Erie County, man. We are climbing up yeah. like yeah. crazy. It doesn't look good. 10,000 cases, 9.9, and uh, roughly around 198 deaths. And from the time of our last podcast, I think when we did the last podcast, we were just about to enter into the new restrictions for PA, Oh, yeah, we are right? currently in new Pennsylvania restrictions till January 4th. And what are we thinking in terms of... Do you think those restrictions will be lifted by then or at our current trajectory? Do you think they'll be extended for whatever period of time? Well, if the reason for the restrictions was the increase, dramatic increase in the number of cases, then the same logic would still exist. Yeah. Whether he, he whether and by he, I mean the governor is mm-hmm. able to do that and withstand the massive political and economic pressure. I, I don't know if he can. I mean, it is. He probably didn't want to do these restrictions. No, no, no. Yeah. No, and I... 
I think that looking at it from all sides, like I do think restrictions need to be in place in some form because this is just getting out of control again. It's starting to get worse than it was, what, 10, 11 months ago, yeah. right? And I also feel for these businesses. I feel oh, for the economic burdens, um, financial burdens. I mean, uh, Cloud9, I believe it just came out a few in area weeks restaurant ago. In area. Yeah, what I think they closed down, at least yeah. for the short term, as far yeah. as I know. So it's just a shame. It's real easy for it's real easy for people in positions of authority or power who are still getting paid mm. to just say to other people, shut down. And I think that's a tough one, right? I think with the first nationwide shutdown, pretty much everybody was on board. Let's get this under control. Let's sure, slow it down. Sure, yeah. we thought it would. And we also thought the government thought was going to help. fix the problem. Yeah, and we thought the like, government uh, was going to help. It's a one-time thing. Uh-huh. Government would help. We'd flatten the curve and we'd go back to a normal life. That was, yeah. that was right. I think, what everybody envisioned. But we didn't do any of that. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> what, and we that didn't was, what, 10 months that. ago now? Yeah, March. Yeah. February, That's, March. Wow. Yeah. I, I just, my my issue is the the unilateral shutting down of businesses without any scientific evidence behind which ones need to close or treating just every assumption yeah, or treating yeah. every county the same or yeah. treating every county the same. You know, I understand I people in, travel back and forth, but there are places sure. in, in the middle of the state who are not struggling whatsoever. They're in the middle yeah. of the woods. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then, and then you're telling them, Hey, shut down. Like, what? No There's, money for you. Like, nobody's here. Well, even like even the ways around it. I mean, I know there are certain restaurants within driving distance here who, if they have an outside patio that can be enclosed, they can stay open, serve food, have drink on the premises. Have you looked outside lately? (laughs) I mean, that's why I said enclosed. And as far as I know, it's well heated. If it's enclosed, it's not really a patio. They're allowing it. Look look at New York City. Where's the science? Exactly. Uh So New York City restaurants have moved outside. In some cases, they've built sheds, what looks like sheds. Just right, to, but they which have the, is still an enclosed space. They have the resources to do things like that. That's why the WalMarts are beating up on the little businesses. But what, what I'm saying is that that's not even outside door, outside seating yeah. anymore. No. It's, it's an enclosed it, space. It, I agree with you. So that's, just, that's what I'm saying. There's no science behind regulations. Who says getting your hair cut's going to give you COVID? Yeah. If they're taking precautions and probably yeah. better precautions than you're going to see at Walmart. Yeah. I mean, we are all three of us are behind the science on board 100 percent. We're behind shutdowns if they work, if they're done right. But and I th- if they're done right and if there's proper support, yeah. I mean, what? I think the society got to a point where we're just shutting down businesses and telling people help is on the way, but help is not no getting help. there. Yep. Right. I mean, it's people are losing their, their livelihood, man. You know, another statistic I read yesterday. Another 9 million Americans went into poverty this year. That's unreal. 9 million. We are the most powerful country on earth. The one with the most amount of money and resources. 9 million Americans went into poverty this year because of the pandemic, because they lost their jobs, because their businesses shut down, because they had to uh, stay home. You know, food food lines in certain cities, four hours long. Yeah. It's insane. You know, if, if you have the ability... Right now, monetary time, whatnot. Now, now's the time to, to make a step up in your community. Yes. Absolutely. No, you're yeah, exactly absolutely. Right. I mean, Donate, yep. uh, Donations food banks. to food banks, exactly. I, I think food about drives. The people that probably donated to you or, or somebody else, yep. they need help. Yep. That's what communities yeah. are about. The government's yeah. not there to do this. And, but I'm, I'm sorry. 
the government as a whole should have done something by now. Well, we're we're you know, at the we end of the, the year. We need the money and the resources. And as soon, I mean, a the, year no, is a no, long to be time. So, yeah, yeah, the money is there, man. We just spend it on the wrong things. You know, the government spent – what? All of these people in Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, they no, get no, equal, they kept paid one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty thousand dollars. They they were still all getting paid during the pandemic. Yeah. They were not doing their damn and what, job. What pisses they me off is they spent eight nine months to pass a stimulus bill that uh-huh. sends people six hundred bucks like that. And what that gets does me anything. what gets me angry is they were still allowed to go on their their breaks, their recesses, oh, yeah, oh, right? Yeah. While yeah. other people were facing potential eviction, unemployment, wondering where am I going to get my next slice of bread? Then it was, you heard this for the last few months. Okay, we're going to try to reach a deal before Friday because then we go on a recess. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, the only reason they reached a deal now is because the government was going to shut down otherwise, well, right? Because they their backs are up against the wall. they have Christmas vacations yeah. to go to. It's 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 completely so, asinine. So we promised y'all a fun episode. <laughs> okay. And I yeah, think we've gotten away true. from that. But I, I do want to reiterate, you know, reach out. Reach out to your neighbors. Reach out to your mm-hmm. friends. Reach out to Dr. A. We only come out of this together as a community. Yeah. We only come out of this together as a community. We all got to help each other out. Agreed. A lot of less fortunate people out there. We are extremely lucky to still work and still get paid. Yeah, lots of people are struggling sometimes. But you know, left Twix or right Twix, we're all (laughs) friends. Doctor A likes Twix. If anybody wants to know, I have eaten four in the last five minutes. Were they left or right? (laughs) Uh, A mix. mix. (laughs) All right, let's let's move on, folks. Let's move on. So let's talk about the the Moderna vaccine getting uh, approval. That, I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. Emergency use authorization for it, efficacy rates. Higher, up, yeah, higher, than, higher than Pfizer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the most important part about the Moderna vaccine, in my opinion, it prevents 100% of severe COVID, Yeah, which is fantastic. I don't know. Do you think it'll hold up to that in a larger population? Because, you know, all it takes I, is one to not get your I think it would That's likely. how I feel every year we have a board failure. It's like sure. one. 100% is almost near impossible, but, uh, right? But so far, impossible. so good. The, yeah. the data are supporting. And it depends on how they define severe COVID. Yes. True. Right? Depends on the definition yeah. of severe COVID. What I want to caution everyone is these companies tested these vaccines, both Pfizer and Moderna, for whether they prevent COVID. Whether they prevent disease. Mm-hmm. These were not tested for whether they prevent infection. True. Yes. And these true. are two different things. You may get the vaccine, you may not get COVID, or you will not get COVID, but you can still pick up coronavirus and not feel it whatsoever. Which means you can transmit it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I want to talk about Exactly. So imagine if you get the vaccine, even if you did get infected, you're going to be immune. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. At least transiently. You'll be immune. We but know you, that. But you may transmit it. So but e- you may transmit it. Even with the vaccine, stay vigilant, wear your mask, social distant. We'll, well, this get, isn't, we'll you, get through this together. Even with how quickly these vaccines came about and the fact that they're rolling out now, being administered, what are the current people now? CDC is recommending that Next individuals over the age of what, 75. 74 and frontline. Yeah. Frontline essential workers. So yes. that could mean your... Healthcare, uh, health, uh, food workers, yes, etc., yes. so on and so forth. The masks still, right? Mm-hmm. Oh God, right? Are we getting tired che- of it? But listen, cheap, cheapest way to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just think about it. How many colds or flus have you had in the last year? What the? I, it's, how many? How many have you had? No, I've flu had, season is down. You, no I've, flu. If you look colds, at the CDC fine. numbers, colds are around all the time. How many colds did you guys get in the last year? Zero. None. Zero. Yep. Do you know, I? It's, it has been estimated before this year, 
three to six number of calls, average mm-hmm. number of calls per person. Yep. A year. And that think is, about that. It's like six upwards in kids, down. three in adults, zero. Yeah. If you look, mass make a yeah. big difference. Yeah. Absolutely. If you look at the CDC numbers for flu this year, massively down. Massive yeah, because of, of masks and social so, distancing. So, yeah. folks, it might you know you might get tired of it. I am, but it does make a difference. Oh, and I mean, you don't wear glasses, do you? I hate whenever Not I'm anymore. walking around and I have the mask on and my glasses are you know fogging, fogging up. up as I breathe. But hey, if we're healthy and this is going to help to mitigate this thing, we got to keep doing it. We have you to know what you can together. use. Uh, scuba divers have this spray you spray on your mask to make it uh, not fog up. Hmm. underwater or you can get lasik shout out could, also i i mean i don't recommend it but it does work in a pinch spit oh, uh probably not but i'll keep that in the back Do of my you, mind <laughs> your if, own or somebody else's you can use your own i, I, I no, would not recommend using someone else's so don't spit on, don't so you're telling me not to spit on fauna's glass <laughs> that's right yeah okay this is but, not good for our entire conversation i'm spreading I'm, 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 I'm serious about this because yeah, yeah. also scuba divers that run out of that substance they spit on their goggles right you you smear it around then you uh-huh. wash it with water and it does not fog up yeah, for at that, least uh, your dive in uh the movie jaws uh richard did, did Dreyfus do that? does that at the okay. end All and right. he's looking at it and he's going i don't got any spit because he's so scared of going down the cage with the shark uh-huh, so uh-huh. yeah i can relate can almost everything to a movie all right so uh how about that mutate so-called i i hate the word mutated because i don't think it's a new strain person we could say variant variant okay sure. i like that so uh, <laughs> reports mm. of uh, a mutated virus in the UK going out of control. So this new variant, I think they've currently named it VUI-202012-01. This is named because it's the first variant under investigation in December 2020. That's a mouthful. Um, it began in the UK, and I think it's been documented in the US this month as well, in December so far. And, uh, I mean, so far, what, UK's back in, is it tier three or tier four lockdown? Something like that, but their most extreme lockdown for London. So they uh, are kind of locked down. And um, it's been spotted. Uh, One of the reasons why the strain was spotted in the UK pretty quickly is that the country has been pursuing and enacting um, a a very much aggressive amount of genomic epidemiology with uh, British labs contributing about 45% of the 275,000 coronavirus sequences that have been deposited to the GISAID database. What is that? So what what are they uh, what are they claiming? So they are claiming that this new strain or um, I know you don't want to call it this, but this new variant or variant. Yeah, Uh, it's much more transmissible at this point that I read somewhere about 70 percent more transmissible. And this is all based on the fact that all of the new infections that they're seeing are coming from this one particular virus. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So they're saying that it has a slight mutation that makes it easier to enter cells. And it might be a mutation that's affecting the, the spike protein. Or correct? it could be that you're just seeing this variant because there's immunity against other variants now. And it's it yes. bingo. That's my so, theory. So there's that's things called theory. quasi-species. Mm-hmm. We saw this with HIV a yep. lot early on um, when we early on. I don't want to say early on uh, in the middle of the uh, of the research towards a, a 
appropriate treatment. And quasi species, basically, there's there's a bunch of strains that are involved. Uh, so think about think about it this way: true bacteria. So let's say you have of all the coronaviruses out there. There's, let's say, of SARS-CoV-2. There's variants. So mm-hmm. Corona, let's say SARS-CoV-2A, B, and C. Let's say at the beginning of the pandemic, we had four A's, two B's, one C. Now we may have one A, four B's, two C's, or whatever. The, the good news is the, the spike protein typically used by these viruses, it has to be the same, or at least right. mm-hmm. highly similar. Uh, the one reason we have to get the annual flu vaccine is because of the, the, the changes in the, these outer proteins of the flu virus, which is the most documented to be the most common that, that's out there. Now, is this because, I mean, the genetic code has been shown to be much different from the original version of COVID, at least based on data that have been published, not published, but submitted to virological.org by the Genomics Consortium of the UK. Now, with these different mutations in different combinations, that's why they're thinking, and this is just being postulated. I'm, we're not saying yeah, that this no, is No peer-reviewed data yet. No peer-reviewed data. This is not definite. But they are postulating that these combinations of mutations might be causing the spike protein to bind more effectively to human cells. Sure. It's a, a, but it's, it's still the same spike protein. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. The vaccine yeah, well, keep, yeah. is still effective keep in mind, against that same. I mean, keep in mind that this is all sp- – there's no science. There's all speculation. Yeah, no no yeah. science, yeah. Based on previous science. But I just saw that Governor Cuomo's already saying that here comes that English virus over here. There's no there's nothing to say it exists or is going to come over here. I just uh, the media takes things and makes us crazy. I I mean, I I think if, if we should be vigilant if it mm. ends up be but if it ends up being true, but again, I don't. I don't think it's a new virus, like like Doctor Keller said. It's it's a quasi species. It's probably I think. already here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure it's here. <laughs> Just like when we thought back in February we had 15 cases, we probably had 150, <laughs> 50,000 cases. You know, oh, at least, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's here, people. It's here, but I, I don't. I don't think we need to freak out about it. I, the the vaccine still works against that same spike protein. Mm-hmm. The spike protein has not changed. Yeah. The avidity maybe to uh, surface receptor shoe, yeah. Speculation at this point. Maybe. No science yet. We have to caution. So, no peer-reviewed I mean, data. I, I see why we're, we're discussing it. You know, it's it's going to gain traction in the media very quickly. Yeah, we, we could not ignore Oh, no, they're saying they're going to speculate that, well, the vaccine won't work, so why get the vaccine? None of that's based on science at all. And we're only talking about an association because the reason why it's causing alarm is because this new variant appeared or they started it started getting more attention at about the same time as a very sudden increase in cases in the southeast of England. So right now it's an association. And as we know, this is not that does not lead to causation. Right. Right now, this sudden appearance or sudden attention to this variant is being attributed to the increased number of cases. That doesn't mean that this is a possible new mutant. I am not more concerned today than I was a month ago for the epidemic, you know, pandemic. It's it's everywhere. It's going to take years to get everybody up to herd immunity. I don't don't freak out people. I don't think it's a big deal. Personally, I don't think it's a big deal. Like I said, like you said, I think it's a quasi species. I do. Cool. Let's switch to the fun part, shall we? I'm ready for this. 
The Ig Nobel Awards. So we have like three fun parts today. <laughs> we do, we do. The fifth this is very is exciting. Not one of I love the Ig Nobel Awards. I've been watching them for years. I did so, not know about these. You, you shared this with me. This yeah. Year. So the there's we, we all know about the Nobel Awards and the Nobel yeah. Prize. So yeah, right. there's the Ig Nobel Awards, and it's a it's a pun on the on the word Ig Nobel. Mm-hmm. So the sure is it, the Ig Nobel Awards. It's a it's a satire, effectively. It's a prize that honors uh, achievements that first make us laugh and then make us think. And they've been around since 1991. It's, I, I was, I'm just I'm just thinking about the. We're going to talk about these folks, but some of the Ig Nobel Awards <laughs> for the year, and I just. Uh, I just I can't. Kind of shocking. The the prize it. is. And why were we spending money on this and not COVID treatment? I don't know. All, all science lives. is worth investigating. Is it? It is. is. I don't the know. flow that's rate a, of ketchup. That's it, a stretch. It, it is. That you is know, a I'll, big stretch. I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, you want to talk about it? The flow rate of ketchup will lead to discovery of a surfactant that can be coating the, the glass on the inside to make ketchup flow more rapidly and then the application of that surfactant on glass for other applications is massive I billions want, of dollars I do not want a, a special surfactant I want ketchup distilled vinegar <laughs> or tomatoes distilled vinegar and salt I don't want a surfactant you know people made the same argument for uh, in the 70s so what 50 years ago people made the same argument why should we study how a bacteriophage uh, replicates its DNA right and then that discovery led to insulin production in bacteria. You can so, come up with and for every say, every example you can come up with. Flow rate I, I'm just uh, saying every 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 so interesting question should be investigated. To me, the flow rate of ketchup <laughs> would get an ignoble award. Yeah. And just so you know, the prize for the ignoble award is presented for discoveries that cannot or should not be reproduced. <laughs> the event itself is quite entertaining. So, they so have, you told me. There's a Miss Sweetie Poo, who's a little girl in the audience, who screams, please stop, I'm bored when speakers go on too I long. I wish we could have That's one awesome. of those. <laughs> oh, I would watch the Academy Awards and all these award shows. Oh, I'm just thinking, no, I'm thinking like at, oh, here. at work meetings. My favorite part about this there's a tradition of throwing paper airplanes onto the stage, and there's a person who's the keeper of the broom. Keeper of the broom. Who sweeps the stage when it gets too much. This is Professor Roy Glalober. Uh, he skipped in 2005. He was not able to attend the Ig Nobel Awards <laughs> because he was actually <laughs> abroad in Sweden collecting an actual Nobel Prize <laughs> in physics. <laughs> so, so you can see th this uh, This is hosted, it seems, or at least that involves actual Nobel laureates. Oh, so yeah. That's not what just a bunch of randos. No, 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 no. It's, so, a, it's a serious business. Yeah, folks. yeah, yeah. They get Nobel Prize winners to come award the Ig Nobel Award. It's held at, it, it was a sort of a, Collaboration originally between like Harvard and MIT. It's held at like one of their theaters, and they get like serious people to give these uh, ignoble awards. And the award ceremony is traditionally closed with the following words: "If you did not win a prize, and especially if you did, better luck next year." <laughs> <laughs> so, who are this year's winners? All right, I'm not saying most of these names well, so we can, we can skip some of these names. I think we should. So how about the Acoustics Prize? Who won the Acoustic Prize? What was it for? How about what it was it for? Dr. Reber and and, uh, and all uh, for inducing a female Chinese alligator to bellow. 
in an airtight chamber filled with helium-enriched air. Man, I would have loved to have collected that data. And <laughs> so, so those data. were they just trying to get the uh, the alligator to talk like high or like uh-huh. you know make a high pitched? <laughs> so this was published in the Journal of Experimental Biology, which is a good wow. journal indeed. That's insane. I <laughs> would love to have been the editors reviewing. The article is a Chinese alligator in heliox formant frequencies in a crocodilian. Hmm. What do you think the rationale or the uh, basis or the <laughs> when, this is the this is the application you know, of these data to we're, we're not going to have helium for much longer. Right. So what about the psychology prize? All right. Devising a method to identify narcissists by examining their eyebrows. <laughs> uh, the title of that in the Journal of Personality uh, published in 2019 Eyebrows cue grandiose narcissism. Man, that's a lot of hey, grandiose You ever taken a look at Delbert's eyebrows? I mean, so I, I wonder. I actually looked this article up to is see. Is it the arch or is it if you go like, one eyebrow? It is that like corner arch type thingy. So only if one go, one go up or both? I, th- I think you have to have both. Uh, I was going to say because that's the uh, who can do. Oh, look, you're doing it now. I can't do that. This hurts. <laughs> is this the uh, who who did that? The famous oh, The Rock. He does the uh, eyebrow. Oh, does he? The, the one. Peop, he calls it the people's. Everything eyebrow. goes back to a movie with you. <laughs> oh, I, trust maybe me. Maybe you should start a movie podcast. I wish. Yeah, but he did that when he was a wrestler. <laughs> That's right. The Peace Prize went to. <laughs> this is the, a good one. <laughs> the governments of India and Pakistan for having their diplomats ring each other's doorbells in the middle of the night and then run away before anyone had a chance to answer the door. Right. This, and that was, was for numerous, <laughs> numerous <laughs> news reports. Published. This is awesome. I love this one. <laughs> oh, that's great. The Physics uh, Prize went to uh, Maximov et al. For determining experimentally what happens to the shape of a living earthworm when one vibrates the earthworm at high frequency. See, now, that's where I read this and I start thinking, is this starting to get unethical? But, I mean, you don't need, do you need IACUC approval for a non-vertebrate? Yeah. No. no, no, you no. don't. So this is just for fun. Uh, oh, oh, you can vibrate those worms. This, this all thing day. doesn't. This thing doesn't matter. No we can IRB vibrate approval. Him all the live day. Huh. Interesting. Uh, what this, is the application for that? Like, if there's an earthquake, will it survive? Uh, or maybe if you can detect uh, the movements of the earthworm, could you predict I saw oncoming somewhere. earthquakes? The application will make itself, uh, you know, exactly. clear in due just, time. Maybe they'll take. The worms and adhere them to the inside of glass bottles to help catch up flow. I would I would be That's on board. Once again, a stretch, <laughs> but let's keep going. The economics uh, prize went to oh, a beautiful. bunch of countries. Watkins <laughs> and yes, all. Yes. Uh, lots, lots of people uh, there. And uh, what they for trying to quantify the relationship between different countries. National income inequality and the average amount of mouth-to-mouth kissing. Man, this is, wow. <laughs> what did it find? This was... <laughs> More mouth-to-mouth kissing led to greater degree of income inequality? <laughs> I, I'd be interested I, to look, know that. This was a scientific report. This was published in Scientific act, Reports. Yeah, they, didn't, wow. they really didn't need to change the title. Nash, the title of the actual journal article is National Income Inequality Predicts Cultural Variation in Mouth-to-Mouth Kissing. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, can I please do beautiful. this next one? Yes. Oh, the, the next one is the amazing. The Management Prize um, by, uh, is it Chinese researchers? Oh, they were not Chinese researchers. These guys were mm. hitmen. 
Five. Yeah, these were head <laughs> you, you didn't quite Thank get you. this. This is, uh, gets even better. I should have read head. Five professional hitmen in, how do you pronounce that? Guanji. Guanji, China, who managed a contract for a hit job, which in case you don't know what a hit job is, a yep. murder performed for money. That's right. In the following way. After accepting payment to perform the murder, Zi Guang'an then instead subcontracted the task to Mo Tianjiang, who then instead subcontracted the task to another uh, Chinese hitman, who then instead subcontracted the task to Yang Guangsheng, who then instead subcontracted the task to Ling Xianxi, with each subsequently enlisted hitman receiving a smaller percentage of the fee and nobody actually performing the murder. So that's a good end to the story because I thought this was going to end in a dark so, way. So is this like a pyramid scheme wow. for hitmen? Yes. It sounds like a Ponzi scheme like for it. hitmen. Yes. Yeah. So, and, uh, okay, each subsequent person going down got less money. smaller. So the person at the First top. First guy took a cut. Greater yep. cut. Let's say I'm contracted 50%. to whack someone out for a million dollars. I'll mm-hmm. take a hundred thousand, give it to you for nine hundred thousand. You go ahead, take a hundred thousand, give it to Keller for eight hundred thousand, and so on and so forth. Eventually it got to a point where it wasn't feasible anymore. <laughs> and then the murder never I'll happened. I'll do it for five bucks. <laughs> wow. It just doesn't work that so way. So numerous news reports and trial documents. This came out in great. court. Uh, and so no, obviously nobody was there to accept this. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> jail. no one was there was to accept this, this award. This is kind of a dark, uh, a, a dark ignoble. Prize. I just love it. This is the prize for management. Wow, that's great. <laughs> the entomology oh, prize nice. uh, went to Richard Vetter for collecting evidence that many entomologists and those are scientists who study insects are indeed afraid of spiders. Who are not insects. You know, that makes complete <laughs> sense. And that's something that should have been studied a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, that was published in American Entomologist, yeah. Volume 59, Arachnophobic Entomologist. I love it. I love that When title. two more legs make a big difference. Big difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was something that my uh, mother always asked me because I have a really big phobia of snakes. And my... PhD involved at least a few times every summer for six years going out into the woods and collecting salamanders and collecting amphibians. Plenty of snakes there. And she always said, you know, after all these years, you still have never seen a snake. And I only saw maybe one snake, one instance out of the dozens of times that I went Maybe you were not doing enough field work. Well, I'll be honest. I was very vigilant when I was out in the woods watching where I was going, being careful down in Allegheny, uh, uh, Allegheny Forest um, to watch where I was stepping, listening for any distinct rattling or suspicious sounds. It wasn't. There's not that many. My, my adrenaline. What's that? There's not that many rattlesnakes. Uh, but all it takes is one. I mean. All it takes is one. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen a snake before now? I have seen. I saw a snake down in North Carolina collecting back in like 2014. One snake. One snake. Yeah, well, so come over to my house. We got snakes galore. No, no, it's okay. I'd rather They're just garter snakes. I don't care. They're evil. What? Tell us about the medical education prize. Oh no, because I'm doing the last. Oh, one. the medicine prize. Okay, tell I'm us doing, about the medicine prize. Oh, I mean, we skipped one. Medicine prize. Sorry about that. Uh, see, Doctor Volink and all uh, for diagnosing a long unrecognized medical condition, misophonia, the distress at hearing other. <laughs> People make chewing sounds. Apparently, that now has a 
name. Misophonia. New, wow. So it is now officially a new psychiatric disorder. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The distress of hearing other people chew. I don't like hearing other people chew. What you have misophonia until you, until you key into it. I mean, usually you I might be able say to ignore that, it. That I have a disorder over that. I just <laughs> don't like it. Yeah, but this can vary, right? Depending on if you're sure. you Mine's chew with severe. your mouth closed sure. or if you're sure. smacking See, your lips. Who likes that? Yeah, <laughs> no one does. No one. Sorry, folks. So, medical education prize went to the leaders of Brazil, UK, India, Mexico, Belarus, USA, Turkey, Russia, and Turkmenistan. Uh, I will not list the names of the leaders, but they won for using the COVID-19 viral pandemic to teach the world that politicians can have a more immediate effect on life and death than scientists and doctors can. And ain't that the truth? I don't think you need this pandemic to show that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mind you, this is the second Ig Nobel Award Prize for Alexander Lukashenko, who is the leader of Belarus. Alexander Lukashenko won in 2013. He won an Ig Nobel Peace Prize for making it illegal to applaud in public and to the Belarus State Police for arresting a one-armed man for applauding. Was the one-armed man applauding in public? Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Okay. The last one. This is, this is my favorite one. The Materials Science Prize Ugh. to Dr. Aaron et al., for showing that knives manufactured from frozen human feces do not work well. Wow. That's it was published where in the Ar- Journal of Archaeological Science Reports, uh, experimental replication shows knives manufactured from frozen human feces do not work. Boy, so, a dirty job. If you are in prison and you don't have a shit, don't make one out of your frozen poop, I guess. Uh, they will not work. That's who, proven. Who came up with this idea? I mean, this is just throwing stuff at the wall going, okay, let's investigate My this. My guess this, is that it has something to do with old. Peer reviewed and published. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My guess is it has something to do with what do you think are the odds Neanderthals. That, what do you think are the odds that some type of study like this could be approved by, uh, you know, by the different. Um, Regulatory uh, bodies here. Yeah, here at LECOM. Well, there's only one way to find out. Put it together. That's right. It. Okay. That's right. <sighs> and then, yeah, get crap for doing it. No pun intended. <laughs> no, you, you intended that pun. I did. So we have a bunch of Christmas science myths for you, but... First, we got to do Fauner's fascinating, fantastical, fun physio fact of the day. Fascinating. Did I tell you we had a listener write in, said she loved your physio... Oh, Bonnie. Oh, yeah, yeah thank you, Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie, I appreciate that. That's just the kind of uh, he needs this incentive <laughs> I needed to keep on going with my life and with this uh, segment. What do we got today? Collapsed so, lung or pneumothorax? Yeah, it's here. Fa- following along with you know more kind of fascinating injuries or things that can affect uh, individuals, but different athletes. Uh, this was Drew Brees, who just returned to action this past month. He was only out for three, four weeks. With broken ribs, 
and a small pneumothorax. And you typically think punctured and collapsed lung, and you think, wow, that probably takes a few weeks, maybe even months to heal. Um, pneumothorax or collapsed lung occurs when air enters the pleural space, which is that space that's found between the chest wall and the lung. Um, this can occur when you have this kind of small hole, or it could be a larger hole, um, due to lung disease, uh, surgery, or kind of a vicious hit, such as occurs uh, during football, you fracture your ribs, and you get the possibility of getting this, um, you know, pneumothorax occurring. Um, this can happen, you know, varying degrees of severity. If only a small area of the lung is affected, you may not have any symptoms. However, if it's really significant and a large area of the lung wall is affected, you can have pretty severe and dangerous symptoms, uh, shortness of breath, rapid heart rate, and generally being unable to breathe very well. That's because as the air escapes from the lung, the air is going to fill the space outside of the lung, um, and a buildup of air occurs that puts pressure on the lungs, thus reducing the expansion of the lung tissue, and you're not going to be able to inhale as efficiently as you normally would. And again, varying degrees of this, right? Small pneumothoraxes can go away on their own with rest and oxygen treatment. Um, if it's severe, then physicians will typically use a small needle to allow air to escape, thus reducing that pressure and allowing air to escape from around the lung, thus allowing you to ventilate, expand, and breathe in a little bit easier. If it's really nasty, a chest tube can be placed between the ribs into the space around the lungs, that pleural space, to help drain the air, allow the lungs to re-expand. So yeah, uh, depending on the recovery, this can vary depending on the severity, a few days without treatment, or if it's more severe, several weeks, possible chest tube, um, possible small needle uh, usage, and several weeks in regular healthcare doctor visits to help relieve this uh, disorder. And that's why Drew Brees came back so quickly, because uh, the biggest thing with him was uh, the broken ribs. He needed to heal from that. The actual uh, pneumothorax was relatively minor from what I read. Fascinating indeed. That was so fascinating. Well, thanks. I've got a lot of Fawner's response. Fawner's fun physio facts are fascinating. Yeah, keep those coming in, folks. Thank you. Fabulous. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the real meat of this conversation. Okay, so. Christmas science myths. Thank you to our listeners who enjoyed the Thanksgiving science myths. So we uh, pulled some Christmas science myths. Uh, we tried to stay away from, one, Santa Claus, because Santa Claus always exists. Or the biggest myths of them all. Delbert. Ooh, that's... Which we shall not discuss. I was going to say, we really <laughs> hope that our listeners don't have their children in the car listening to this. I didn't say anything. I or just don't so know what the word myth means. Let's start with an easy one. Does eating too much sugar make kids hyperactive? What do you think? I think it's no. Insulin no. does the job. Mm. Yeah, well, the simple answer is no. Now, I can guarantee you this. When you're at a party and you've got little kids and they're running around eating sugar, it sure does look like they're hyperactive because mm -hmm. of the sugar. But while children do tend to ingest more sugar during celebration times, such as birthday parties and holiday events, the hyperactive displays of behavior can be attributed to the children's excitement. According to many studies performed in the 1990s, in fact, a 94 study in the Journal of, of Abnormal Child Psychology found that mothers rated their sons as more hyperactive when they thought their children had ingested sugar, even when they hadn't. So it's the mother's fault. 
Oh, <laughs> that's oh. what you're saying. Oh. The mother's fault. I'm not saying that. Fault. We could, that. It might be equally Religion attributed and to both parents. Go on a roll today. <laughs> These findings have been consistently supported in many subsequent publications. Yeah, like Dr. A said, uh, the pancreas is a fascinating and very now, much important organ. If somebody is hypoglycemic mm-hmm. and they do ingest sugar, they will get a boost in energy. Oh yeah. But kids typically are already hyperglycemic, I swear to God. <laughs> okay. How about a second one? Uh how about poinsettias? Poinsettias. Okay, so very popular at Christmas time. Right? These red and leaf Red and green leaf poinsettia plants are popular foliage. They, they are very yeah. pretty. And many reports of poinsettia toxicity in children and pets have been described historically so. Should these pretty plants be avoided? What do you think, Fodder? Uh, I'll say, because based on how you phrase that, I'll say no. <laughs> My guess, even that they sell them so cheaply yeah. and so yeah, abundantly, right. they should they probably should not be avoided. No Surgeon General's no. warning plastered yeah. on the outside no. of the plant. No, it does not come with a warning. You're all correct. In 1996, Dr. Edward Krenzelock and colleagues published a paper that looked at about 850,000 plant exposures that were reported to the uh, poison control centers. How many of those do you think are poison? Yeah, let's go, yeah how many? I uh, have it written down, so I know. Oh, do you? My, my guess is uh, 80, 90 percent. 23 or what? Which are related? poison ivy. Hmm, I don't know. Because I, I think these were ingested. Oh, ingested. Yeah. Okay, okay, oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, so unless people are eating poison ivy. Well, what else? I mean, that would be very bad. And then if you burn. Kids eat berries poison. all the time. Yeah. Or stuff. They're putting sure. stuff in their mouth. Sure, yeah. Yeah, but uh, certain. Oh, I won't say this about the movie. Couple uh, sumac, uh, wild sumac uh, people, you can die from that too. Well, that's what the guy. Foxglove. Mm-hmm. Who is the kid who decided to go live on his own in the Alaskan wilderness or wilds and. Uh, Ended up trying to make it on his own, ate a few bad berries, and it's hypothesized that that's what ultimately killed him. It was a movie called Into the Wild. You never saw that? I love people that do stuff like that. 15,000 years of civilization and you decide, no, you know what? I want to go back. (laughs) Well, for those of you who ever wanted to see the movie Into the Wild, I just gave you... A big spoiler. Alert. We're just gonna <laughs> throw away fifteen thousand years of civilization. Well, you don't want hey, to. Each their own, man. Let the guy master, go. He's not hurt. He's, in, he's dead in Alaska. All right. You don't want to master the wa- the wilderness or exert your independence. You know, see if you can. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> anyway, about twenty three thousand cases were reported for point set of contact. Uh, the majority, ninety three percent, involved children. No deaths at all. In fact, ninety six percent. Of exposed patients didn't even need to go to the hospital. Mm. But you still get some symptoms. Well, right? it depends on the amount you ingest. Right. Uh, diarrhea, I mean, nausea, and vomiting. diarrhea yeah. can lead to some pretty nasty things. But, but death? death would be very much unlikely. Yeah. yeah. How about mistletoe? So, so that's, yeah. So, you know, perhaps that's that the poinsettia is, is a myth, but not, uh, not mistletoe. So, mistletoe, you know, we hang around and. You know, kiss kissy, kissy, yeah, but the plant is super highly toxic. Hmm. It has a compound called phorotoxin. It's found in all parts of the plant, the berries, the leaves, the stems, whatever, you name it. Um, it can cause drowsiness, blurred vision, diarrhea, vomiting, weakness, and even seizures if ingested. Um, but it was also used as a historical medicinal to treat things like Headaches, arthritis, and get this, seizures. Wow. <laughs> you know, so oh it can induce them, cure them. But, you know, it's a it's a parasitic plant. It actually attaches to other plants, and it's a, it, it, it's 
eats them. So it's, it's sucks suck, away. sucking away nutrients. Wow, the kissing plant yep. uh, sucks away. So nutrients. you get where I'm going here. Once wow. the plant is attached, it can be very difficult to get rid of. So the next time you see that mistletoe hanging over someone's head, think twice about that kiss because the plant's difficult to get rid of. It's a parasite and it can make you sick. And the unlikely event it falls down just as you're about to kiss is in just. <laughs> what I'm just saying, is that what you want to base your next relationship on as a That's poisonous right. parasitic plant? Well, we all know relationships that start with a trip to the ER are, you know, meant to last. Is that how that goes? <laughs> I've never heard that, but. How long mind. can I keep my eggnog in the fridge? Uh, so how about that holiday beverage that many people look forward to? Hot how chocolate? No, eggnog. I, I like me a good eggnog. Especially I like do you really? Got, I, I cannot stand it. If it's it. got a good eggnog. dose of alcohol, Well, too. you're going to like, well. Wait some yeah, chocolate. Hot chocolate. Um, there, there, there are non-alcoholic versions, but yeah, I'm, I've been told. Eggnog. <laughs> well, it's made with eggs and milk, so that's a great question. How long can this thing last in the fridge? Well, it does have booze. So, uh, uh, Aaron there, Aaron Goldfarb. He's an author. He's a, a liquor author. So I, I kind of like that. Oh, I like this alliteration. Yeah. He's an expert eggnog enthusiast. You're, you, I, cool. I spent some time writing yeah. this. These are my words. <laughs> an expert eggnog enthusiast stored a batch of eggnog for over a year in his fridge. And it was still good after a year. In fact, he said it was uh, it, it, it was a little bit grainy, but there were no bugs in it at all. Nothing growing. Because, grainy. Uh, yeah. You Most, think that um, protein in the milk or protein probably in there separated? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he he actually now what I read it. Uh, it's the references posted, folks. Uh, he makes his batches two weeks ahead of time and lets it sit, and then he'll mix it with some fresh when he mm. serves it. But um, would you really want to serve to your guests at your next Hollywood party? Oh, I haven't finally aged. Ignored. This guy, this guy's recipe, <laughs> three and a half years, pretty popular. Two thousand sixteen, mm. man. Well, I, I so, would like to taste it. So how long for, do you think? I mean, how? so he did it for a year. How long do you think you can store? I'm guessing several. Several years? Yeah. If, uh, well. If, if the booze content is high mm. and it's in the fridge. In the fridge. My guess is uh, at least a few years. Mm. Well, since the alcohol kills off the, no kills off the, the bacteria, um, it's actually safer to drink the longer you let it store. Because oh, it mm -hmm. keeps killing the bug. There's sure. no bugs there. Um, and so Mr. Goldfarb has several batches in his fridge that are at least five years old. Ah, very cool. Remind me not to go to a party at Mr. Gold Goldfarb's house. It's probably pretty good. <laughs> All right. So, can your Christmas tree light on fire? Now, wait a second. Can it light on fire? By itself? Or, or what did you write down here? I want to know your words. Can your Christmas tree self-combust if you forget That's to water so it? That's different. Because <laughs> a tree can catch on fire. No, it cannot self-combust. But, you know, there's this myth out there. If you don't water it all the time, it yeah, makes it drier and then it's sure. more likely you know, to... And you know. historically, people lived in smaller apartments mm -hmm. and the tree would be close and they would have fires. And yeah. they would be close to fire and ember would jump from the fire, maybe... You know, touch the tree. Yeah, and uh, lights would have shorts in them more often. Well, and this, so this is also probably this myth is exacerbated by the fact that the famous Christmas movie, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas mm -hmm. Vacation, it was it, the uncle, right? Lighting yep. the cigar next to it. Let it on fire. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I, there's been plenty of movies like that 
He does really like his movie references. Oh, yeah, that's number four. A movie podcast is is in the works, probably. Well, you know, our former student has a movie podcast. I keep hoping maybe Steve says, hey, come on board. Uh, It's it's a secret, secret, uh, secret uh, passion and dream of mine, but... Well, maybe maybe Steve will contact Dr. Kozik. Dr. Kozik now, yeah. So when I was asked this question by Dr. Abi Abdullah, which is, can your Christmas tree self-combust? I said, no, why would you even think this? No, it can't self-combust. But they can't catch on fire. In- there was a Mythbuster episode about that. Was it really? Self-combusting? Yeah. Not self-combusting, about like if, if the... Christmas lights, like, have a short or whatever, yeah. And, in fact, there there are, but it's very rare. The National Fire Protection Association reports that only 0.001% of real Christmas trees are involved in fires. Uh, Dehydrated, brittle trees can increase the risk, of course, so keep your tree distanced from the fireplace and check your lights. Artificial trees actually contain fire retardants. I actually did not know that. But now you do. Now I do. Can you see, this is yours. Can you see Christmas tree lights from space? It turns out you can. Americans sure do love their Christmas lights. Uh, using data gathered in visible and near-infrared wavelengths by sensors on a NASA uh, and a NOAA satellite, researchers compared the average intensity of nighttime lights across the southern U.S., in December's of 2012 and 2013 with the average in non-December months from January through fall of that year. And it turns out holiday lights boosted the average intensity of ground-based light by about 20%. Wow. Insane, right? And if you go out to the suburbs, it is boosted by between 30 to 50%. That's insane. That's a lot of light. And it turns out this is not only true for Christmas. They've done some of these studies in the Middle East for Ramadan. Sure. And it turns out uh, it's the same thing. Ramadan is marked by nighttime festivities. Hmm. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. I found one more. One last one. So let me ask you this. Uh, Think about reindeer, right? They live in the North Pole. But how do you keep them from overheating? How do you keep Hmm. the reindeer from... They got a lot of... Oh, a fur hair. Very, very thick, thick coat. You mean like what? Because the temperature is cold, they're always, their well, metabolism is jacked up. Is that why they would yeah, overheat? So, yeah, exactly. Reindeer live in the Arctic. The temperature can approach minus 50 Celsius. Mm. Think about it, minus 50 Celsius. So how do they not overheat when running through the planes or flying through the air? Right. <laughs> wow. Merry, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. So how do they do it? It's, it's interesting. So when they first start work, you know, running and exerting themselves, they breathe through their nostrils and the, the air is so cold it's able to, mm-hmm. to keep their, their body temperature down. But as their heart rate increases and, and they get to about 260, now they start to pant like dogs. And yep. what that does is now it forces it through their mouth and their tongue where there's a lot more vasculature yep. to cool the blood down. Yeah. But the most interesting thing is once their brain reaches a certain temperature where you know they would have you know, catastrophic, catastrophic effects, uh, the blood flow pattern actually changes – and so now the blood goes through the, their, the, the air. The blood goes through their nose more and they to get slow it more down. air. Yeah, it slows it down and they get more huh. air in there. So it actually changes so that the coolest blood goes to the head first. That's really cool. 
Is there an opposite strategy for similar animals that live in hot temperatures? To keep cool. To keep cool instead of yeah. keep warm? I mean, you're still doing it, you know, for dogs that are outside, right? Well, uh, the panting. The panting. But the... But yep. the so the, the air going through the nose, that's not for oxygen. That's for the temperature to mm. keep it cool. Antelopes do it, too. Yeah. yeah. Very similar, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. You, you said their heart rate reaches 260 it beats says, per minute? Yeah, once their heart rate reaches, I, 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 yes, 260 Jeez. beats per minute. Do we know how that's fast crazy. the heartbeat is for a cheetah? Well, luckily for us. Yeah, you've got Google. And while while they're it's doing, got, it's got to be up there, right? Yeah. I mean, what's like fastest animal on earth? Antelope's got to be up there then too. It's a small little animal. Yeah. Ah, uh, cheetah, uh, resting heartbeat about 120 beats per minute, resting similar to teeth. a jogging human. Uh, while it takes some time for a human heart to reach that uh, its limit, usually 220 beats per minute, the cheetah can go up to 250 beats per minute in seconds. Wow! Oof. Wow! That's wow! Crazy. Seconds. Seconds. I mean, imagine like feeling that within you. That, that would be to oof. me. That is a fantastic, fabulous physiology yeah. fact right there. I would say. Yeah, probably would a little. It's fascinating. That would be better well, than I the left your word. <laughs> All right, so let's do a recap. That's our episode, right? So uh, let's do a recap for last week's sure. or last so, episode's riddle. So for the last episode, we talked about the guinea worm. And the disease is also known as fiery serpent. It's a parasitic disease of humans that presents as a blister on the lower extremities usually. Uh, the blister ruptures and it burns and hurts and aches. And it makes the person want to stand in water, which is part of the life cycle. The worm causes the burning wound. And, and um, all the little larval worms are released out into the water, and, and that's part of the infection. So as the disease progresses, the female worm slowly crawls out of the wound. And this is just one parasite that we love to teach. You Absolutely, know, in, yeah. The, the, the visuals on that the, are amazing. It, yeah, uh, people in, uh, in endemic countries, which is usually in Africa, uh, would slowly wrap the worm a little bit, about a, a turn on a pencil or a twig. Mm -hmm. Every day until they pulled it out. Yeah. So the question from last episode was, uh, how is this infection acquired and how long does it take to cause the wound? And if, if you don't mind, I'm going to skip down the list of emails okay. and come back. Because um, Rick and Bonnie both wrote in and they, they basically summarize this pretty well. Rick does say, hey, guys, I've been sharing your podcast with some of my colleagues um, and hope that they enjoy it as well. Uh and, and Rick does say uh, about our telemedicine, yeah, we'd be happy to have guests on in the future. We're working on that right now. Yeah, yeah cool. I, I'm glad he said that. He reached he reached out first saying he, he'd love to be he would have loved to be part of the last episode because he's practicing a lot of that uh, now. He works in a rural area. But yeah, we would love to have you as a as a guest. We'll figure out a mechanism for you to call in, uh, we would agree on a time and date and episode topic, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. and in fact, we could even retouch telemedicine for a moment. Sure. If, if we will, it would be awesome to get a perspective from someone who mm -hmm. actually is doing it. Right, yeah. right. Anyway, uh, uh, Rick says the, the guinea worm. It is the guinea worm. The guinea worm is Dracunculus metadensis. Mm. Yes. And up until recently, it was thought to be only a human disease. Now we know some dogs... 
Yeah, that's very unfortunate. It is. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about why in a moment. Uh, Rick says, I love the pics from med school with this one. Def- definitely something you never forget. It's always fun to show people who have no idea about it. It is acquired by drinking contaminated water. Very interesting. You get an ulcer in your foot, but yet you drank water. Mm-hmm. And Rick's right takes about a year after the infection. Oh, wow. Right. So well, when yeah. you show these ima- these images to students, do you ever have students that have to that cringe. get sick, cringe, <laughs> or pass out? Because I know sometimes you show anatomical images here. I haven't had, often a, I haven't had a pass out pass yet out. On, on this one. Huh. I've okay. had students pass out because of other things, but not because of this. Hmm. Like hypoglycemia. Yeah, that, well, uh, that would probably help the, the, the passing the, the site of we were doing ABO testing for blood mm, and the, sure, the site that's of a blood. Common yeah. One. yeah, I just didn't know if like that no. intense visual Look, stimulus. I show, I show videos of worms in the, uh, with, with GI scopes. Oh, wow. And nothing like... No, no there's nobody. some cringing, but mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, there's, I, there's I always an audible yeah. cringe, yeah, but yeah. there's, uh, you know, I mean, some students do look away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a crazy parasite there. I just wanted to, you know, Rick and, and Bonnie. I believe Bonnie won this week. Too. Bonnie did win this week. Bonnie, so please Bonnie, uh, yeah. send me an email. We'll figure it out. I'll probably leave your gift with security if you're still in Erie. That'll make it easier. Well, yeah. it, is, it is January already, right? It is. Very yeah. soon, yes. <laughs> so a very interesting parasite. Uh, just to, to finish it up before we get to this uh, the question of this episode, the uh, the guinea worm used to have uh, millions of people infected. Millions yeah. mm-hmm. upon millions. And the uh, WHO 20 million, with I think. the Carter Foundation. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people give him credit for that, but Jimmy well, Carter's foundation yeah. is responsible for educating villages pretty much across where this is endemic to tell them whenever you feel the burn, do not stick your foot in your drinking water supply. Yeah. So you broke they, the cycle. Yeah. They also, so the, the larval worm, when it escapes the, the ulcer, the wound, it infects these little tiny micro crustaceans, little tiny things called copepods. Yeah. And you can, uh, the, the second part of the, of the Carter foundation who F W H O effort, was to uh, make sure everybody had sterilized water, or at least uh, filtered there's water. Chem- there's chemical treatments yeah. to water supplies that can kill some of these. Yeah, yeah, but as simple as cheesecloth can get rid of a lot oh, of absolutely. these. Yeah, yeah, filter, so yeah. they filtered the water. And um, what's, what amazes me is this is a, is a disease that went from 20 million cases to under 20. I think under, last, yeah. last count, when I did this lecture in the fall for the MMS, it was 16 or 17. It was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, sixteen yeah. cases, um, and that that was a couple years ago. I haven't seen updated numbers yet, but you know, recent reports in dogs are going to change that maybe. But they've from twenty million to less than twenty cases. That's fast. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that that's is fascinating. Uh, yes. It's on track to be the second human disease to be eradicated after smallpox. Yeah, third total after smallpox, rinderpest, and this one. Oh. Rinderpest will be back. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the appearance in dogs. I mean, it's, some some people speculate that the parasite is looking for a new host. Some others say it's always been in dogs. We just never looked. My guess is it's always been in dogs, but the fact that it uh, affects humans, uh, we're going to go jump in the water as much as a dog will. Oh, of course. So, again, I think just making sure everybody has filtered water, uh, it, that's the simplest way to get rid of this thing. Mm-hmm. No, it is, uh, and I tell this to students when we talk about parasites, specifically when we talk about parasites, it is amazing how much 
of our lives we take for granted. Sure. You open a faucet and drinking potable water comes out. Well, you're yeah. trusting that in, it's in, potable. Mo- in most cases. Mm-hmm. Right. Clear, yeah. Right. Compared to certain parts in the rest of the world where, uh, I mean. Developing underdeveloped right. countries. Uh, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Our access to some of the things we take for granted, they are luxuries in other places. By, uh, by PI. Right? We, we started a. I mean, he made, did most of the work, but we started a uh, a field site hospital in in very rural Kenya, where people had to walk miles to get to the hospital. They yeah. they still had, you know, witch doctors that treated mm-hmm. them with things, and he, you know, all this money, all this medical supplies he got over there, and the research really that didn't matter. He told me the most important thing, the most effect he ever had on that community was truly a new well. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Potable water, just uh-huh. basic yeah. necessities that, yeah. once again, like you said, it we take for people granted. aren't. Yeah, they die from giardia and amoeba. Right, it's a shame. Well, Dehydration. So, all right, new riddle. What do we got? So, a different flavor of our typical uh, guess the microbe riddle. Um, instead, we're going to do uh, we'll call it uh, guess the physiology. Come up with a flashier name than that in the next few weeks or months. Uh, we could do that in minutes if you'd let us. No. Okay. <laughs> well, while while I'm uh, while I'm well, we're a month ahead talking, of schedule, anyways. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I I got this kind of idea because every morning, instead of watching the news and getting depressed with the current state of the world. I turn on Pop TV, much to my wife's chagrin, and I watch ER. And even though I've seen most of these episodes like three, four times now, I still love watching this show. And so I got this idea from an episode of ER back in the 90s. And although it's fictional, it still has, I think, some pretty novel and cool medical applications. So here's the case scenario. And I'm not going to give a lot of details here. Uh, You'll have to guess what physiological mechanism is responsible for this scenario. An overwhelmed doctor in the ER, let's say during something like a mass casualty event, has a patient suddenly fall unconscious and go into supraventricular tachycardia. And the only clue I'm going to give you there is that that is an irregular heartbeat that occurs due to some type of dysfunction in the heart. With no time for meds, drug treatment, or the use of other equipment for resuscitation, the physician quickly dumps ice into water in a basin and submerges the patient's head for several seconds. The patient suddenly regains consciousness, becomes awakened, and very confused and probably a little bit angry as to why he is wet. So the question that I have for our listeners is, what physiological mechanism that I just described that has occurred in this patient and what are its primary effects on the different systems inside of the body? Go ahead and submit our answers. You can email um, answers to thebiobusters at gmail.com. And we'll be doing our next episode when? Probably after break sometime. It'll be in the new year. Mid-January, maybe first week or two of It'll January. It'll be in the new year. New year. Let's okay. not commit January to... January 21st. That's I like January that. 20th. We already have a birthday. <laughs> so at least uh, two or three more weeks until we do our next episode. So send in your responses and your guesses, and you might be able to win a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool prize from us. That is a fact. So if... You know the answer. Even if you don't know the answer and you just want to email us to just take a stab at it or uh, just email us about anything else. You don't have to guess it correctly to when you email us. We will randomly select from those who emailed. So uh, email us, thebiobusters at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. Just search for search for the Biobusters. 
And uh, I'm Delbert, Abby Abdallah. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Delbert. You can find Christopher Fawner at Fawner916. And you cannot find Dr. Keller on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. And thanks to Bana Mani for the music. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.